across the road, pecking gravel in the noonday sun. Shaking her tail like the queen of the yard, not minding anyone. And a happy, warm greeting to you folks. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you for joining us here at the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Like, thank you folks for joining us, being a part of our Week in Review for the Crude Life, our exclusive interviews and news affecting the oil and gas industry, the energy industry, and actually the Crude Life even gets into construction and a little bit into ag from time to time because ag and energy go hand in hand and construction and energy go hand in hand. Actually, energy goes with everything, to be perfectly honest, but we try to stick within the industry, try to stay within the niche. The Crude Life is here to bring you some exclusive interviews that we had in the last week, and here's what we've got this week for you. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, our weekly Davis Refinery update. Now, the Davis Refinery is going to be going into Belfield, North Dakota. They keep getting some more green lights as they keep hopping hurdles that people have put in front of them their work continues to be validated in fact the latest hurdle now is a piece of misinformation printed by the Associated Press so we have the CEO of Meridian Energy Group the people behind Davis Refinery uh, William Prentice talks a little bit about the misinformation in that Associated Press article regarding the air quality permit that they received and had their science validated in fact Meridian Energy Group announced another refinery down in Texas in the Permian Basin in the last week and a half. So things are moving very well ahead. They're very positive, and their science just keeps getting validated all over the globe. So William Prentice with our weekly Davis Refinery coming up in just a bit. And then we talk a little energy economy. Josh Robbins, the CEO of Beachwood Marketing, gives us an update from NAEP, the largest, well, one of the largest, Uh, conferences 12,000 people attended this year's conference and he talks about the people hustling for business and optimism for 2019 nice industry update from NAEP with Josh Robbins with Beachwood Marketing then we venture the interview into the Millennials into oil and gas a big portion of the energy industry is retiring like more than 50% in the next five years and so there's a vetting process going on And a lot of millennials now seem to have a social cause attached to everything. And so there's a fear about the respect and the just the the relationship that the energy industry has had with the land and the people and the communities. There's just an overall respect for what's happened and how the energy industry is actually really preserved capitalism, to be perfectly honest. It's one of the last industries that preserves capitalism in its truest form. So we talk a little bit about that, about uh, the millennials, and are they understanding that? Are they bringing in a new mindset when it comes to oil and gas? Because, like I said, 50% or more of the industry will be retiring in the next five years. So interesting talk with that relationship as well, relationships, the importance of it. Then we go to the Doodle Bug Beverages, Arthur Widener of Doodle Bug Beverages talks about the family history behind his great grandfather's North Dakota sweet crude liqueur. Now is distributing North Dakota in seventy-five or sorry, now distributing North Dakota sweet crude in seventy-five to eighty locations across the state. He's also just breached and branched into Minnesota. And so Arthur Widener talks about the uh, family recipe, just his roots in western North Dakota and how the sweet crude name came about. So Arthur Widener, Doodlebug Beverages, Josh Robbins, Beachwood Marketing, and William Prentice 
Meridian Energy Group. We've got a great show in store for you today. Plus, we might, who knows who's going to stop by here at the Week in Review, uh, the Crude Life Week in Review. Okay, let's take a quick break. We come back. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, right here on the Crude Life Week in Review. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Crude Life at Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here today. All right, coming up next, William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, talking about the Davis Refinery. Well, um, as you know, we've been uh, in construction out in the field. We had to button that up for the winter. Um, we also had a lot of legal activity to take care of in connection with our permits, and that appears to be mostly behind us now. Uh we're in design. Uh, McDermott's our contractor. Uh, they're a big international firm, and uh, they will be using a lot of local contractors in the field, but right now they're busy on design and procurement, and we'll move back to the field this coming spring. I did want to ask you about a, um Associated Press story that I read about your permit to construct. Uh, I had to do with some local people about whether they would be adversely affected by the refinery and, and anyway that quote in there about the concern about the health and well-being seemed to stand out a little bit to me did that did you guys were you guys able to see that or address that or comment on that in any way well we you know we have to be selective in how we address what appears in press you know there's a lot of misinformation uh, the air quality permit was something we fought long and hard for and had to do a lot to make sure that uh, this project is not going to negatively impact anybody. Um, you know, we did a lot of work to make sure that that's not going to happen, and I think uh, it's just improper for people to continue to apply that this project is going to somehow be a heavy polluter. It's, it's going to be the cleanest such project on the planet when it's done. Uh, we've also done studies that show that uh, that there's actually going to be more pollution from the visitation to the national park, the TR Park, that will show up at the refinery than there will be pollution from the refinery show up at the park. Uh, 700,000 visitors per year produce a lot of air pollution, and uh, uh, we're actually the recipients of that at the refinery more than the park will suffer from the refinery itself. Um, we also did another uh, recent analysis. It's going to appear as a, a white paper in some of the technical press showing that a dollar uh, invested in a clean refinery like Davis because it reduces pollution from other dirty refineries is a better investment than buying into a wind park or a solar array. It reduces greenhouse gases by much, much more. So by cleaning up our conventional energy sources, we can get back to a cleaner planet a lot quicker than by 
going after such things as, uh, as those wind towers. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, talking about the Davis Refinery coming to Belfield, North Dakota. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life Week in Review. Now you're running on a thin line through a frozen void. No feeling in your fingers, no other choice. You are the queen of a midnight run, eleven years of dark to taste the sun. Yeah, I'm radio and dashboard lights. You have a road in the middle of the night. It's seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you. There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. No one in the world would ever take you for a killer with your ponytail and your baby blue eyes. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Josh Robbins, the CEO of Beachwood Marketing. Josh Robbins with Beachwood Marketing. Thank you for joining the program today. And one of the reasons we're having you on is to talk about NAEP, the big oil and gas conference happening uh, in Houston. I understand about 12,000 people went this year, and you were one of the attendees. Is that right? I was. How'd it go? It was, it was good. It was good. Uh Definitely every bit of 12,000 were there. So, uh, You know, the, the downturn is not really the word they're using this year, but, you know, it's not the gangbusters days of old type thing, but it's not the downturn years either. So um, good to see 12,000 people. How, how um, interactive was it this year? Were people going through the motions or were there people – you know, actively doing business or people trying to get business. Talk to me about a little bit of the vibes and the themes that you saw on either the floor or any of the places you went. Sure. So, so, uh, you know, there was a lot of people out there hustling. There was a lot of people, you know, the, the booths for the most part of the last couple of years haven't, haven't taken up the whole convention center. Uh, they've cut it in half, you know, in 15, 16, um, there wasn't a whole lot of booths, uh, this year, I mean, it ran the whole, whole length of the floor. Um, so it was considerably longer than years past as far as, um, you know, folks out there trying to peddle deals. Um, the mood, um, and this is kind of a universal statement, uh, it's, it's just overwhelmingly optimistic. There's so many people down there and, you know, like you said, it's it's not a downturn year. It's not it's not a 
it's not a boom year, but everyone's just very optimistic about about what the future is going to hold. It's one of those tricky years, you know, to where you have to really reinvent yourself or maybe have some uh, pretty good, you know, storage capacity or good clients, stable clients, whatever it is. It's just it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of growth, if that makes sense, in the traditional areas because a lot of the oil and gas companies they're still going through a lot of their changes. You know, they're getting a lot of the artificial intelligence put in. Uh, they're they're revamping their workforce, so to speak. You know, whether it be from the engineering side or whether it be from the hydraulic fracturing remote side. Uh, there's just a lot of change going on in the industry. So I found that word hustling interesting. That you know, people are people are hustling out there because that's that was what I kind of thought too. Is that there's so much innovation and so much reinvention of people's business plans going on. Hustling is just a great way to describe it. Is it, d- d- am I making any sense, or is it uh, you know Absolutely. you were there? Okay, so th- then I do have at least a, I am listening to some of my interview people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The uh, you know the big thing down uh, in eight this year, in my opinion, was there's a whole lot more um, tech that was highlighted. Um, you know, usually it's it's drilling info um, as the tech company. And then everyone else is peddling deals, um, but there was a significant amount of of folks down there that were um, really focused on developing tech and 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 the changing oil field to get automated. And I mean, there's there's so many processes that we still do in oil and gas that are still paper and pencil um, mm-hmm. that that just need to be automated. And you know we're for the most part, 10 years behind the curve when it comes to tech. So it's, uh, it was good to see. Josh Robbins, Beachwood Marketing. And so do you specialize in oil and gas or do you guys have clients outside of oil and gas and you just happen to be there? Talk to me about Beachwood Marketing. Yeah, no, we are oil and gas specific, uh, oil and gas space. We, um, we partner with oil and gas companies that are looking to expand their footprint wherever they are uh, on the on the buy side of of A and D. So we've got a team here in Oklahoma City. Um, we make about four thousand calls a month uh, to oil and gas operators from California to Pennsylvania, North Dakota, all the way down the Gulf, uh, cover the whole country, uh, and track down deals um, that aren't on the market. So we get a box from our clients that says, hey, we'd love to buy, you know, this type of asset in this area. And then we go to work. Uh, we, we hustle for sure um, and, uh, and go find it. That's what we do. When you say you, you, you go find it, are you, are you looking for in deals? Is it anything from leases to, you know, uh, hydraulic fracturing equipment? Or what exactly, I guess, is it uh, you guys specialize in or is it the gamut of things? No, no. So we primarily focus on finding operated properties to go buy. Um, okay. we, we go in and try to find actual, actual wells, uh, oil, gas, um, we work operated space, non-op space. We play a little bit in the mineral market. However, it's it's um, there's a lot more uh, folks in the mineral market than there are uh, anywhere else. Uh, so we tend to, like I said, partner up with operators that are looking to increase the amount of barrels they have coming out of the ground or acreage to go drill or whatever the 
whatever the box may be. So who would be your customer? Is it the oil and gas companies or is it the midstream companies or both? So it, it is right now it's uh, the oil and gas companies. Um, a couple of midstream companies have reached out um, because finding deals in this environment uh, as positive and as upbeat as, as Nate was, um, a lot of it's, um, you know, it's, it's not the types of deals that uh, people are looking for. You know, if you want a PDDP producing asset, um, you know, if you want 250 barrels a day, if you want operations at 80% net, that wasn't there. I mean, that, those deals aren't on the floor. Um, and so what we're doing is, is calling the guys that, that own those assets and say, hey, you know, I know you're not selling. You should. This is the time to do it. Um, and so that's, that's how we're uncovering a lot of the deals and, and uh, helping our clients expand their, their current portfolio. So if you talk to that many people over the course of a day, week, month, whatever the case might be, is there a general universal theme to the industry right now? Or is there um, certain areas that are seeing more growth than others? I know the Permian and the Bakken are, are, are the big ones, but you know, there's the Haynesville and the Eagleford, of course, California, Marcellus, Niobrara. There's all kinds of different shale plays. They might not get as much attention in the media. So just... You know, are, are, you, are you seeing that some of your clients are at least active in these other plays? Are you hearing anything from those other plays? Yeah, absolutely. And, and even in the Permian and the Bakken, um, you know, there's always a caveat. Uh, Permian's a great place to own, except it's expensive. Uh, it's a great place to own, except there's a differential. Uh, there's a lot of pieces that are playing a part in pushing people out to, uh, you know, let's go play in Eagleford. Let's go play in the chalk. Let's go play in, in, um, in Kansas, in, I mean, in conventional assets, in low LOE in barrels coming out of the ground. Um, the, the general theme, uh, industry wide, as far as our phone calls are concerned is, you know, upsides, not something that is being paid for. Um, you, you know, we're going to go out there and do the work. So we want to, we want to get paid from the upside. We don't want to pay the, the seller on the upside because we have to go do it. But if you as a seller go out there and drill a hole in the ground and make the barrels come out, we will absolutely pay you more for that. Um, and that's kind of the general theme. Okay. And Beachwood Marketing uh, how far along in the marketing do you guys get? Because one of the questions I was going to ask, I mean, if with all the people hustling out there, um, how do you set yourself apart? Because that's really where people are at right now is they're trying to figure out new ways to set themselves apart by showing these people that, hey, we've reinvented our company to X, Y, V, Z, or we can solve your problem that you have here, that sort of thing. Um, do you got any advice on that or do you guys have any secrets or any tactics that you seem to think that works that either you guys stand out or you've seen other people in the industry that are able to stand out? Cause I, I've noticed sure. what you have, you have too. There's a lot of people hustling and I'm trying to figure out if they're moving ahead or if they're just spinning their wheels. Right. Yeah. And there's a, there's a definitive difference between the people that are moving ahead and, and, and spinning the wheels. Um, and, and really, um, I say it all the time. 
there are people out there that want to sell something so that they can go to Fiji for the rest of the year and not do anything. And in order to do that, you need to make the most of, of whatever it is that you're selling fall into your lap. Mr. Josh Swanson, hold that thought for a moment. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to continue our conversation with Josh Swanson with Vogel Law Firm. We're talking about the Lake Sakakawea Wilkinson court case impacting oil and gas mineral ownership. All that plus much more here. Josh Swanson, Vogel Law Firm. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. Watch it shine so bright. This week we're spotlighting Brooks West, the singer-songwriter. Check his website out, brookswestmusic.com. That's brookswestmusic.com. This is singer-songwriter Brooks West. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you will let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. From apartment to apartment, state to state, and it doesn't really matter where I go. There's only one place. I Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Josh Robbins, the CEO of Beachwood Marketing. We continue the conversation with Josh Robbins, with the CEO of Beachwood Marketing, right here on the Crude Life Week in Review. So as an industry as a whole, um, we've allowed that to happen in the past. And with automated processes and, and software and the, just the knowledge base of what you can go find right now on your cell phone, it's just, it's not easy anymore. There's not, there's no easy money. You have to go out there and actually work and, and you've got to be here in 2015 when it's 26 a barrel, you got to be here in 2017 when it's 70 a barrel. You've got to be here when it's down up. Uh, I mean, you build these relationships and you put on all this work. That's going to, that, that'll be the dividend. Regardless of what kind of work that you're doing or what industry you're in, if you're constantly out there building relationships and relationship selling, you're going to win. People don't go to Chick-fil-A because the chicken's better. They go to Chick-fil-A because they work on relationships. They say, please, they say, thank you. You feel like you've got a relationship at that restaurant. That's what that they're successful. That that's going to work for everyone. And if you don't do that, especially with 25 year olds, 
that are coming into the workforce, if you're not if you're not gonna do that, then you're not gonna have that business. You know, the uh, one guy he once said to me, uh, Patrick Hughes, that's who it was. Patrick Hughes, the CEO of uh, Prairie Companies, made a comment about you know you work really hard to break even during the downtime so that you can make a good living during the good times. And that, exactly right. and that is the oil and gas industry. It really That's is. Exactly and you right. know what? They've had decades of doubt. Remember the 90s? The 90s was, yep. a, was a low decade of oil prices. I mean, people forget that, that the 1990s was primarily low oil prices. And everybody got along just fine and things happened. Yep. And um, I did want to ask you about the industry itself because you, you mentioned the 25-year-olds. And there was a big push for millennials. And like most things, any time there's a big push, you know, there's 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 unintended consequences that come from it and growing pains. And you start to learn a certain number of things. And one of the things that came out of this is a lot of the millennials today have, have seemed to come into the workforce with more of, of a social cause than in the past. And that's really caused a little bit of some hesitation in the oil and gas industry because there's such a industry built on respect of the industry. There's such a it's such an industry built on respect and understanding of how the business works. And when you've got some people coming in with either some blind faith or some um, social causes behind them, there's a little bit of hesitation there that they might disrupt that um, called a chemistry set of respect and balance and 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 just the business of making the oil and gas industry work because for an industry that pays more taxes than, than anyone, they probably yep. donate more than anybody too to the local yep. communities. And that is, that, that that's what I mean to where all of a sudden now, if we got people coming in that are just going to overlook that and start being a bull in a China shop, some of the people retiring are a little bit worried about that. And when you've got nearly 50% of the industry retiring in the next five right. years, that's kind of one of those un. Un, untold stories going on in the industry. Are you hearing that with your clients at all, or that there's, you know, this kind of, uh, we got to make sure we're passing the baton off correctly to the next generation. There is. Um, but to be honest with you, the guys that, that I'm working with, uh, are, you know, late twenties and early thirties. Um, you know, whether they're private equity guys or they're, um, oil and gas companies or their, um, I mean, they're C-suite execs, um, in all aspects of the business. And there are people out there that put the work in and do the job and know the business. And then there's people that don't and they talk. And I think there's a lot more emphasis put on the people that talk than the people that do. And I, I don't think there's going to be this massive social shift in oil and gas because you need the people that are out there that know you've got to, you've got to have that knowledge transfer take place. And I think there's enough, um, I think there's enough drive with the, with this new generation to either learn that skill or figure out a way to replace the need for that skill. You know, why do we have pens in the pumper trucks? We don't need them, you know, get this app, whatever it is, whatever that, whatever that ingenuity is, this business has always been first and foremost to push ingenuity, 
It's just how is that going to look in the next 10 years? It's going to look surprisingly different than it has the last 100. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, well, they're not slinging chains anymore. Right. Uh, not, not at all. You know, a lot That's of those exactly guys. Right. Yeah, That's um, exactly right. Yeah, I've just noticed there's been quite a vetting process going in a lot of different ways with, uh, like I said, a lot of the industry is retiring right now. And with the advancements of technology, it's like, could you imagine like just the the first five years after automobiles came out? Yep. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole social yep. conversation of safety must have yep. been unbelievable back then when, I mean, when we went from horses to automobiles, because... Yep. That's how I feel like right now that the the technology advanced so quickly and so fast in the oil and gas industry. Well, I've got guys like John Gibson, the former chairman of One Oak and uh, Harold Hamm. And, um, you know, not to name drop, but these are guys that run major companies. When they're telling me they're changing their business plan because of hydraulic fracturing and just technology, that tells you that's a pretty big shift. I mean, from my, my perspective, in the media, we saw that with the internet. When the internet came, that made a, that made us change our entire business model. You yeah, had absolutely. to, yeah. Yep. I mean, and in fact, I would even argue the internet was the worst inv- investment any media company ever made because nobody's <laughs> made their money back. That's right. So, so was the idea right. to go out of business because a lot of people did that, to me included, right. back in my former media life. Yeah, we'll put <laughs> a couple hundred grand in the internet without any plan on how to make the money back. But we all did it. So, yeah. But that's kind of what's going on in oil and gas. They had right. to, they, in order to stay competitive, they had to move ahead with it. And luckily, they were sophisticated enough to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, um, and, I, yeah. and I think that's what you're going to see. I think, you know, media companies, for the most part, I think you're absolutely right. But, you know, content's king. You still have to be able to write good content. You still have to have mm-hmm. uh, good shows in order to make in order to make it work. And so I think that's going to be what's happening in oil and gas. There's got, there's going to be, you know, yes, is 50% going to retire in the next, you know, five years? Absolutely. Are they going to stop working? Absolutely not. I think you're going to see a hundred times the amount of entrepreneurial business startups that are, that are consultancy based that knowledge is going to have to stay in the business and they they're everyone's going to know it. If you can, and if you can use yourself and your knowledge to go make money there, people are going to do it all day long. And I think this, especially now 2019 when entrepreneurialism is at an all time high, as far as, you know, you don't have to go to work. You've got a cell phone. You can pretty much, you got a Starbucks, you can go sit down, pull up your laptop and you can get things done. Um, and I think that's going to that's gonna shake up a lot of things. And that was Josh Robbins, the CEO of Beachwood Marketing. To listen to the full-length interview or to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We also have social media pages and a network. Go to thecrudelife.com, click on our social media tab, and you'll see our entire network, which is over 350,000 social media followers. Be a part of our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life Week in Review.
days when I feel lost and separated And every step I take falls on foreign ground And I feel like going back to North Dakota Take a job, find a wife And finally settle down But right now I'm addicted to emotion And freedom at my selfish Solitude provides And I'd hate to think that I'd become a stranger To the place where I was born Where my heart still resides Where the nighttime lights earth and light on the horizon Under the soft red glow of the wintertime sleep clouds Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. You can run from the wintertime in the midnight black. Welcome back to The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Arthur Widener with Doodlebug Beverages, talking about North Dakota sweet crude. Jack, go ahead. Arthur Widener, Doodlebug Beverages. And kind of pre-interview here, Doodlebug Beverages goes a little bit further than we thought. Uh, we're talking today about the sweet crude. It's a, a liqueur that Art Widener has uh, perfected and uh, found out you're more of a distributor and an author of, but you're not the distiller itself. So uh, without getting too technical here, start us with the recipe and then give us the description to where we're at today where you're the distributor of Doodlebug Beverages. So uh, how, how did you, is this a family recipe? Or? It is. It's about 100 years old. Okay. Uh, Great Grandpa Albert, uh, excuse me, Martin, uh, not not Grandpa Albert, but Great Grandpa Martin started it uh, um, before the age of prohibition. But North Dakota was a dry state in those years, and uh, it was a dry state for forty five years. And so people out in the West, you know, out of necessity, had to produce their own alcohol if they wanted to have a little bit of of, uh, of the spirit. And there's lots of family recipes out there. It used to be, anyways. Um, you know, you still go out there and people want you to try their apple pie recipe or something like that. Sure. Um, this is quite a bit different than those. Uh, but it, well, what's in it? What's in it? Well, it, it's, uh, you know, one of the main ingredients, of course, is caramelized sugar. Uh, and that's something that I produce myself um, because um, I find it, it's, it's very important for the quality of the drink. 
And, and you were telling me, um, as we kind of did a little pre-interview here, that you did that out of basically your own personal preference of quality, quality control, that the stuff on the market just didn't seem to have the quality that you wanted, so you took that matter into your own hands? Right. And, and, and it's something that we used to do in the kitchen, you know, in order to produce the what Grandpa, uh, Martin, and Albert used to do. Um, they showed us how to do it in the kitchen. Uh, well, you know, that's not going to work when we're talking about production level, 1,000 bottles, 2,000 bottles, 4,000 bottles. Um, so we had to come up with a process and, and a piece of machinery that could, could do it for us. What was available out on the market, again, is mostly as a colorant, not as a flavor profile, and that's not what North Dakota Sweet Crude is about. We're about the natural flavors that we can produce and uh, give people a unique experience um, the reason that we started the, the business, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an engineer um, by upbringing and by uh, genetics, if you talk to my wife. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't looking to get into the alcohol business. Um, it wasn't in, in my, wasn't on my windshield at all. Um, but as we started sharing, you know, the family recipe around out in the western part of the state when we would go hunting... Uh, people kept requesting it. Uh, you know, one time we called back and said, hey, we're coming back out to hunt. And, and he said, oh, yeah, it'd be great. But you know that bottle you brought last year? Yeah, I'm going to need 12 this year. So my brother and I started looking at each other and said, hey, we might have something. <laughs> and you've got more connection to Western North Dakota than just hunting. Yeah, uh, so my family uh, is from uh, the Zap, North Dakota area. Oh, Zip the Zap, all right. Exactly. I, yeah. uh, it have the, the former mayor's, who's now the mayor again, has been back on our show a number of times, Terry uh, Barden, mayor of Zap, North Dakota. So it's going to be 50 years this spring. Yes, yes, we were talking I need, about that. I need to do something big out there with him. I, I need to get out there and do something. Well, we laugh because he, he won the last mayoral election as a write-in, and he wasn't he didn't know about it. He was on vacation, and they called him and said, you won the mayor election again. There was a guy on the ballot even. He won because he was the previous mayor. Uh, right, right, oh, that's right. so like funny. It. Oh, that's good. So, so you've um, your family's from western North Dakota. Yep. The, the sweet crude, I went right away to the Bakken. Do you, do you uh, have a vested interest in the Bakken? Um, you, you don't have it in the name, but sweet crude, obviously, people think of oil. Right. So. Well, I mean, the Zapbula area, if you, you know, lignite capital of the world, yeah. right? So coal is king there right now. But yeah, we still have some mineral rights in the area. Um, not much. They're not worth anything right now, but, you know. Hey, oil gets be. up to 100 bucks, it might be. Right. Yeah. Right. Could happen. Um, and it, it will again. So, okay, you. how much of this did you do yourself your, your grandpa did the recipe your great-grandpa well and it's been it's been tweaked yeah I mean, you know grandpa wasn't putting citrus into the okay it, you know he wasn't putting lemongrass what's in, in it what's in you it know, what's so, well besides the cinnamon which is what you're going to get up front this is the a dominant lot of flavor yep uh but you know it's backed by the velvety uh cover of the of the uh of the the caramelized sugar i mean that's really what's what's coating your tongue and, and mm-hmm. giving you that that good sweet flavor um, and helping to control the alcohol burn, because mm-hmm. uh, there is really no alcohol burn with this liqueur, uh, even though it's 75 proof. Uh, you know, people try it for the first time, they're like, whoa, 75 proof. Um, but you can't tell, really. Uh, and that, that has a lot to do with the, with the caramelized sugar in there, that, that it's actual caramelized sugar. 
and then uh, the cinnamon. Uh, it's a it's a tough brewing process to get all of that cinnamon flavor out of there, um, but that's that's one of the things that that you know Grandpa had, did right, uh, and he had it had it down. And so then along with that, then there's some ginger and some lemongrass, and then uh, the citrus notes. Was the ginger and lemongrass part of your great grandfather's recipe? Ginger was. Ginger was, uh, but not lemongrass okay. and, and, and citrus. I, well, I that, don't know where he was getting ginger. That's from. what I, mean, I was, was going to ask. A, it's a tropical thing. Uh, oh, ginger yeah. comes out of Canada. Okay. Oh, I think Canada is the biggest. Really? Lot. That's where Canadian dry ginger ale. That's, oh, okay. That's, that's the reason they have so much ginger ale. Oh, okay. And that was Arthur Widener, Doodlebug Beverages. To listen to the entire interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Crude Life Week in Review. Thank you very much for joining us this week. I want to remind you, we have a Crude Life daily update as well as full-length interviews always throughout the week. Go to thecrudelife.com to keep tabs on our latest information, podcasts, news, etc. Also, click on our social media pages for our Facebook, our Twitter, our YouTube pages, all kinds of different things. Of course, you can access all of our information at thecrudelife.com. Thank you very much for joining us. If you're joining us on the radio, appreciate it. And we'll be back this time next week on this radio station. And if you're joining us via podcast on iTunes and the other, I don't know, podcast aggregates or portals, uh, appreciate that very much as well. And if you're joining us on thecrudelife.com, our website, downloading the podcast there. Thank you very much for joining us and allowing us to present you exclusive interviews, one-of-a-kind information for the energy industry and the construction industry, as well as, well, just all those things crude. Anything that is crude in work, we cover right here. And the communities and the people that are part of those day-to-day operations, I'll tell you what, this is a great job, this is a great living, because I get to talk with the people that make the energy industry work. I mean, I've been in a lot of different industries, I've covered a lot of different industries, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, the oil and gas industry is my favorite by far because the people are real, and the giving and the capitalism is authentic. So I just want to thank you, folks. I, this is—I didn't even have this plan. This isn't in my script. This is totally just from the hip ad lib here, as I'm realizing how grateful I am for the energy communities and the energy industry because it's just been terrific. It's been fantastic, and what an example they set for everybody else. I'll tell you what, folks, anybody listening who's not part of an energy industry, go to a oil and gas community for a week, and you'll walk away with a whole new appreciation and perspective on community spirit. That's it. With that, thank you, folks, for joining us from the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies, asking you to keep calm and frack on. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies.